Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box, with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Thanks for joining me today on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Mia Hull, and this is the place where each week I sit down with one person and roll through the stories and songs that make them who they are. If you notice the lackluster audio quality on both ends today, it's because my guest and I are each recording from home. Thank you, COVID. It means that both of us are broadcasting from unceded Gadigal land, so I'd like to take this moment to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening right now. It feels like a cruel trick that we don't get to sit together to make this episode of Out of the Box because it was just two weeks ago that my guest was alone in the studio as she took us through FBI's breakfast program for the last time. Yes, I'm talking about our iconic, now former Up For It presenter, Courtney Ammenhauser. Believe it or not, Courtney actually has a whole life outside of FBI radio and it's been coloured by dancing and drama and bananas and a visit to the US and, of course, lots of great music which we're going to explore throughout the show. Courtney, thanks for jumping on the guest mic today. Thank you, Mia. It's an honour to be here and be on your show. (laughs) So I guess before we jump into the beautiful chronology of your very big life, I want to look back on just the last two years. Do you think maybe you have enough distance from Up For It Now to reflect on the kind of time that you had there? Wow. I guess it's been, I've had one week off officially. um, And today I was really feeling how different my brain feels from not waking up so early and having that amount of stress first thing in the morning. Um, I think last week was just, a bit of a come down from the last two years but yeah today I was really like wow my brain is like functioning in other areas of my life again which I really don't feel like I've had much um, for the last two years but I'm interested to see how it feels after the summer break and when kind of quote-unquote normal life <laughs> goes back Um, And it doesn't feel just kind of like a summer holiday, which it still kind of feels like right now, like I'm just having a bit of a break and that in January it'll all pick up again. Mm. I'm I'm thinking of that meme format from 2016 where it's got the brain with different levels of power being unlocked as you progress and it's like you're in like the the, the middle tier at the moment totally do you think and I I realize that this is a super broad question to ask you but how would you describe your experience of hosting up for it for the last two years obviously you kicked off in 2020 which was maybe a cursed time to start what do you say when people ask you about how doing the show was Well, most people give me their reaction before they ask, to be honest. They'll be like, oh, early mornings, yuck, (laughs) I couldn't do that. Um, And then I'm like, true. Um, (laughs) But I think there's like a few seasons that the show had. Like when we started, it was a fresh new team. We kind of hit the ground running. Everyone was really full of ideas and really eager to put them into practice. And I just felt like... There was a lot of energy and everyone was so, it seemed so thrilled to be there and like ready to make great radio and great content. Um, And then about, I guess, what, six, eight weeks into it all, I got a call and 
the program director at the time was kind of like, um, we're just trying to figure out what's going to happen. You know, this um, coronavirus is kind of starting to get pretty serious here. How do you feel about, you know, recording from home or doing pre-records? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'll just have to figure it out. But then it ended up being that I was able to go in, but the producers would stay at home. And that's so early on into (laughs) my time as the host, like that was like a pretty scary thing. Like I still really felt like I was finding like who I like sounds so cheesy, not like who I am, but like how I wanted to be in that role. And as you know, Mia, it can be kind of tricky to find the balance of like what you reveal on radio about yourself. And also it's not about me. So I found (laughs) this really hard (laughs) task um, to do whilst being alone so much. Um, So that was pretty intense. But it was a good learning curve and I just kind of kept telling myself that it would make me resilient and a better broadcaster in the end. Um, And I did always have producers working from home lifting me up and being wonderful, which I was very grateful for. And then I think that went on for about three or four months. Um, And then the producers could come back and things started to get a little bit more like colorful in the station again there was more energy around um we could have guests coming through all of that stuff was really exciting so I feel like the second half of 2020 the first half of 2021 was a real sweet spot (laughs) but it was kind of bookended by these pretty tough times because as we know 2021 uh the back end of that was pretty rough do you think if you could have foreseen what these two years would look like, you would have still applied to be the host of Up For It on FBI Radio? Wow, that's a great question. I think in the end, like, I want to work in radio and I want to progress. And I always saw it as a way to do that. So I think I still would have done it. I probably wouldn't have asked for too many details on like the darkest days. But um, I still think I would have charged head forward just because the goal was to work in in radio and to move into another role and to continue to progress my career. I was going to ask you what you learnt from this experience, but I guess what I really want to know is what you learnt that's pandemic specific. You know, what pearls of wisdom did you pick up having broadcasted radio every single weekday morning throughout a pandemic? Um, I think there was a real um, balance to strike in the mood of like still needing to be somewhat optimistic and somewhat upbeat without being really annoying and taking the piss. Um, So I think there was a real sense of kind of like shared experience going on. So tapping into like that empathetically is something that you know, there are at, at times, certainly there are things that we're all kind of going through the news cycle or whatever, but it's probably a bit more varied. But that was like one thing that was kind of binding all of us. Um, so I guess that's something for sure. Um, and also just having to troubleshoot so much tech stuff without having a producer on site whilst also <laughs> trying to not be 
flappable <laughs> like and jump back on the mic like nothing to see here everything's fine but there's like no wi-fi or a computer is just crashed on mm. me or the phone lines are down or all of the above yeah. <laughs> Courtney Ammenhauser what's the first song you'd like to play on out of the box today the first song I want to play today Mia is a song by Benoffi who was one of the first people I got to interview when I started doing up for it She put out her first album, which I had been waiting for for such a long time because way back in, I think, like 2013 or 2014, one of my friends, Julia, introduced me to the song um, Ninja that she wrote and I was obsessed. And then I saw her perform at Splendor a few years later and I was like, damn, I just need more from Bonoffi. Like there are a few other singles and an EP that I was like dipping into, but I was like, I want more. So I was like, wow, she's releasing an album. We got her on the show. And then, of course, recently she put out a second album. So I feel like those albums, like one at the start, one at the end, they really book ended my time as the host, one of my favorite artists as well. And I just think, you know, it's up, up, up for Banoff. Love her so much. <laughs> uh, and the song I want to play is from the second album and it's Tears. song was called Tears and you heard it right here on FBI Radio 94.5. The artist, of course, was Benoffi, who took part in Courtney Ammenhauser's farewell on Up For It just two weeks ago. Courtney has, <laughs> unfortunately, she's got her hand on her chest like, yeah, that was me. Courtney has unfortunately wrapped up on Up For It, which we were just talking about in the show. But now I want to go back many years before Up For It even began to the start of your life. Courtney. Where did it begin? Well, Mia, I was born in far north Queensland in a place called Air, which ha ha ha, many jokes about being born in thin air when I was a child. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Um, <laughs> the six-year-olds in the playground thought it was really neat. Um, but yeah, was born there, but moved to a, a town called Misha Beach when I was four. And that's really where I spent like all of my childhood and it's a place that I see as my hometown and it's where my parents still live now they live in like one of the little I guess like villages within the Mission Beach community called Bingle Bay Mm. and it's just this tropical coastal town about an hour and a half south of Cairns super idyllic like I remember when we first moved there there was this big billboard on the highway on the Bruce Highway near Tully where you'd kind of have to turn off to go to Mission Beach And there was a sign for one of the resorts in town that said something like Mission Beach is paradise on earth. And I was like, I fully believed it. I was like, it absolutely is like there's coconuts and palm trees. Like where else would you want to be? It's like advertising working on me at a really young age. (laughs) Is that why your parents moved there? Were they chasing that idyllic coconuts, palm trees lifestyle? I mean, I guess in some respect, yes, they'd kind of they'd separated a few years earlier when I was small and because I was so young the timelines are super murky for me 
Um, but they'd separated when we were living in the other town. And then my mum decided she was ready to move to a new place and kind of start again. She had four kids. I was the youngest and she was only like in her early thirties at this point. Um, and yeah, she was just ready for a new place. And she had known about Mission Beach because her younger brother had bought a small kind of beach shack holiday house there. And so I think she was just thought it would be a nice place to raise four kids, beautiful town, didn't really know anyone. And that appealed to her at the time. And I think, again, like the timelines are so murky for me, but my dad and my mom ended up sorting out whatever they were sorting out in their life, uh, in their relationship. And dad moved up, um, I think about, I don't know, a few months into our first year of living there. Do you remember what it was like when your dad kind of rejoined the family? Yeah, well, I remember like we would go back and forth a lot to air because like my grandma lived in air. My dad was there. We'd go back on the weekends, um, which was about a four hour drive south of Mission um, and we'd see him. But I remember this really specific time when he came up and I think it was for my birthday. So it would have been pretty early on because my birthday is February and we moved there just before school started. And he'd given me like this bright pink, like Barbie backpack for my birthday. And I was so confused because I'm the youngest and was always getting the hand-me-downs and was just like not used to having such a shiny new thing all for myself. And I was just like, well, what is going on here? But in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, the guy was really trying, you know, <laughs> like, Go off, Dad. <laughs> Honestly, I've got pretty fond memories from that period of my life where, like, my parents had recently broken up and you kind of just get gifts all the time for no reason. <laughs> it's like, sweet, thank you so much. You're like, I'll take so, that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the youngest of four kids, Courtney. What's that like? I mean, it's fun. I I guess growing up, I was they were always like, oh, Courtney, shut up. You're so loud oh, Courtney, you're so annoying. Like a lot of that, like didn't want to be seen with me. I was so embarrassing. And I was like, to be fair, I probably was pretty annoying. Like I was really into like kind of outgoing activities. Like I would always be doing cartwheels down the like Woolworths aisle and like, you know, skip dancing everywhere I went. And they were just like, can you not do that? But I don't, Mm. I just couldn't help myself. It was just like reflexive or something um but it was really now you're in broadcasting (laughs) I know Uh, she won't shut up (laughs) but it was really fun (laughs) it was really fun to have siblings and like the house that we moved into um when we first moved to Mission Beach that we rented we had like two families on the same little cul-de-sac and they both had kids the same age. So we instantly had this awesome group of friends and my mum became friends with like their parents. And it was just the best because I think altogether there must've been like 10 of us. And we would just spend every afternoon like on these sprawling, really long, flat beaches and like the ocean was really calm. And then obviously there's stingers in North Queensland, but there's a stinger net that they would put out to like try and contain them. And it's, it's a, 
does a rough job, but we would just be like swimming all afternoon after school, riding our bikes. And even like there was someone who lived across the road from us who had horses that they kept in a paddock and they would just take us horse riding down on the beach and like for free. They didn't, they were just like, yeah, we're going to take the horses down. So as like a five, six year old, I'm like cruising around on a horse, like on a beach, living a fairy tale life. Like it was just so lucky. You've really like put me there and when I see myself there, I can like smell mozzie coils and mozzie spray and stuff like that as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> and also because of all of that, I had a lot of calamine lotion. I remember always being on my body. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. pink dots. <laughs> this is forever being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Courtney, around the station at FBI, you're famously aware of shoes, but that hasn't always been the case for you, has it? <laughs> Yes, I'm glad to be known as a shoe wearer these days because uh, guilty in my primary school, (laughs) shoes were optional, Mia Hull. We didn't have to wear them. And (laughs) when that's the only primary school you've been to, when you live in North Queensland, you think that that's totally normal. And it's not until you go to like high school or you start kind of getting ready to go to high school and your mum says to you, it's time to start learning how to wear shoes. <laughs> that you realise it's pretty weird. I so. actually do remember on Up For It one morning, you were like, how do you guys put shoes on? Is it sock shoe, sock shoe or... Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Or, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe. I've forgotten how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal? No one's at FBI. I'm just hooking in no shoes on every morning. Um, <laughs> is there a reason that shoes are optional? That seems like such a strange rule to have. I know. To be honest, I feel like the school is very Montessori adjacent. It is a public school. Um, (laughs) However, the clientele were pretty free spirited, I guess you could say. Um, And the reason that it was like I have memories of a primary school principal getting up on assembly and being like, "Uh, look now, everyone, uh, we're going to have quite a bit of rain in the next few weeks. So uh, if you've been wearing shoes... Maybe maybe don't wear them because you might get tinnier. <laughs> like, it's known as, <laughs> which is just wild, it's known as the wet tropics. So there's a lot of rainfall, you know, cyclone season. I survived the Category 5 Cyclone Larry 2006. It was a huge deal. Uh, it's, there's just a lot of water. There's a lot of rainforest, so it needs a lot of rain. Yeah. Corny, this chapter of your life, it's idyllic, it's beautiful. We're on horses, we're on the beach. We've described what it smells like as well. Mozzie coils, cameline lotion. What does mm-hmm. it sound like? Well, Mia, I have so many memories of different like bands and artists and musicians that my parents would play. They'd play a lot of like Crowded House, the Bee Gees, um, my dad was really into Sher and John Denver as well. <laughs> um, so it was pretty mixed, but I have this very specific memory of um, this time when my family bought a, like a new car. It was a secondhand Tarago. It was about, I reckon, 1998 or nine. And we'd also just bought a house. So, you know, we'd gone through you know, separated family, dad's come up, they've bought a house and now they've got the car 
And Mia, there's nothing more romantic than getting into debt with another person, (laughs) in my opinion. It really says you're in it for the long haul, if you know what I mean. But when we got this Tarago, it was so exciting because we'd previously had this Ford Falcon that would break down all the time on the Bruce Highway. It was a nightmare. No mobile phones. You know, we're spending a lot of time just like hot and sweaty in the tropics. But this car had air conditioning, which was huge. And Tarago's have like the the panel in the ceiling where you can adjust it from the back seat, which was huge news for me because as the youngest, there's no no chance I'm getting in the very back, not the back back. Oh no, <laughs> I'm in the middle, <laughs> but I had control of the aircon. And I remember being in the car, we were doing like a tough lap of the town just to be like, a new car, how exciting. And I, we turned on Cool FM, the local radio station, <laughs> Cool with a K. Um, <laughs> and this song came on and I just thought it was perfect. And I remember feeling like thinking about it now, I can feel like the cool air, like pouring, just gushing out of the air conditioner and like cooling my little beads of sweat on my chubby little neck as a little kid. <laughs> And it was Hot, Hot, Hot by Arrow. And I thought it was so funny because I wasn't hot anymore because the aircon was on me and I was actually cool, but it was just such a fun song. And like, I felt like just like the coolest person in the world in our new like lime green Tarago cruising around with my family. (laughs) Oh my God. Crank up your air conditioner, crank up the stereo. We're going to jump into this one right now on FBI Radio 94.5. It's Hot, Hot, Hot by Arrow, chosen by Courtney Ammenhauser. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAB, or if you're streaming via the website or the podcast, that song was by Arrow. It was called Hot, Hot, Hot. And the chooser, of course, was Courtney Ammenhauser, former Up For It host and my guest today on Out of the Box. Courtney, being the Up For It host obviously meant a lot of early mornings for you. It's something that you're used to, given your background in farming, (laughs) a slight left turn. What brought you to farming? Well, Mia Hull, yes, I have doubled in some farm work. Um, (laughs) Again, like the no shoes thing, pretty normal if you live uh, where I grew up. Um, There's a lot of cane farms and a lot of banana farms. So one of the things you can do to make a quick buck in the area, if you're a teen, is spend the school holidays packing bananas on the local banana farms. There's heaps of them, and usually they're looking for people in short bursts. Bur- short bursts. So, like, they have a lot of seasonal workers come through, or a lot of um, people who are traveling to get their second year visa, and then a lot of school kids as well um, go there to, yeah, pack bananas. So, I decided to do it because. I had this like real fascination with America as a teen and I don't know about you but like those American rom-com teen films like Mean Girls, 
how to lose a guy in 10 days, um, John Tucker must die. They, they like, they raised me, you know? <laughs> and so I really wanted to know if school in America was like that because the school that I went to was very far from that. And I was like, is this actually real or is it just like glamorized for the cinema? Um, so yeah, I was like, mom, dad, I want to go on high school exchange to America. And they're like, that's great. We support you. We can't afford it. You can go, but you have to pay for it. And I was like, okay, I'll pay for it. No worries. Um, and so I was kind of working at the local IGA, but it just wasn't paying the big bucks, Mia Hull. So I had to switch, <laughs> had to switch it up to do some farm work and yeah, luckily was able to get a job and kind of spent the, the school holidays um, working, waking up at 4.30 in the morning and um, hopping off, hopping on. They had buses that would like drive you out for like, you know, out to the farms that were like almost an hour away from where I lived. And then, yeah, worked all day in the sweaty sheds, you know, do dodging frogs and rats and snakes yeah. <laughs> um, look, I know you said that you were doing this to earn the big bucks. It does, however, sound like maybe there's a bit of passion there, a little look, bit of fire. Guilty. <laughs> but you do earn enough money to get to America. Maybe not on the timeline that you'd hoped, Courtney. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I figured out I could earn enough, um, but if I wanted to go... Um, I'd either have to like redo year 12 when I came back or I could go just after year 12 and then just go for like however long I want and then go to uni after or do whatever I felt like doing. Mm. And so I was like, oh man, I don't want to come back and do year 12 with year 11s. That sounds like shit. Mm. <laughs> All my friends are in this year and I'll have more money if I wait another year. So I just decided, look, I'm just going to wait and go and do some time after because I'll just finish school and then it'll just be like more school but without the pressure of like getting a good mark to get into the course that I want to do at uni so that's what I ended up doing so it was kind of like half of my gap year skimming over that <laughs> you finish the hardest year of school that you have you finish year 12 and then you're like I know just the way to celebrate. I'm going to do another six months of school in a different country. That's Everyone exactly... says that to me in New South Wales, but honestly, I didn't find because uh, in Queensland we don't do the HSC, so it's not as stressful as New South Wales. I like year eleven was the one that was really the big stress. Yeah, well, it clearly didn't have too much of an impact on you. You decided to do another six months after completing year twelve. Did the American high school experience equate to what you had seen in the movies that raised you? Yeah. I was like, wow, people are wearing high heels to school. They've like fully curled their hair. I'm over here, this little gremlin in like track pants and like sneakers or like jeans. Hands all blistered from the banana yeah, I'm like, counting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what real hard work is like. But it was so, everything was really intense. Like I joined the soccer team when I was there and like we had to practice every afternoon. And I was like, what? Don't we just like practice on Thursdays and play a game on the weekend, like <laughs> in Mission Beach? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. And like I did the school musical and it was the same thing. It was like rehearsal every day. I'm like, 
they have these really intensive programs and I'm like wow it's pretty full-on like you kind of just have to focus on one thing rather than what I was used to which was like doing a few things but like you know you do dancing on Saturday and drama on this day and soccer you know spread it all out whereas they're like this every day for two months and I'm like it's a lot and what was your life like when you got back from the states what was the next step for you well then I went back to the banana farm because I needed to make money to move to the city I wanted to go to uni in Brisbane um, which is an 18 hour drive from where I was living and like so obviously had to move out of home and like set myself up and do all of that I went to QUT and did a Bachelor of Fine Arts brackets drama slash graduate diploma in education brackets senior years, which basically means I did a three-year theatre degree. So acting, uh, directing, writing, um, producing course, and then a one-year postgrad um, in education. I'm interested in why you haven't stayed in Brisbane. I feel like a lot of people kind of go to uni and make a lot of friends there and then just settle there and kind of build a life in that city. Is there a reason that you didn't build a life in Brisbane? I guess I kind of did for a while, but then I was just a bit bored by the end of it. And I just felt like it was too small and like, I, I found it hard to get work there when I'd finished uni as well. And I was like, I think I just want, want to go somewhere else and live in a new place and spread my wings and have new experiences and meet new people and, and feel inspired. I don't, I feel like, um, I don't know if it was just like what I was doing at the time, but I, I felt like this real sense of apathy from people there or at least maybe it was within myself as well but I just felt like no one kind of cared about anything and that kind of bothered me a bit I was like oh like yeah I just was like don't I just wanted to like be surrounded by people who wanted to like who were driven and did care about stuff and and wanted to you know have a have an exciting career and progress and do interesting things with themselves. And in the next part of the show, we'll talk about you finding those people and moving to that place. But first, a song. What's the next one you've picked, Courtney? I've chosen a song that we would just like be cranking in my Queenslander share house uh, (laughs) when I lived there. I lived there for the majority of the time that I was in Brisbane. So I really feel, see that place that bright yellow timber as the the home that I made while I was there and it takes me to like dancing in the kitchen like sucking on the teat of a goon bag you know with my friends Julia who I met when I was in America and Hannah who um, I was living with and it's I Love It by Icona Pop and Charlie XCX.
was Charlie XCX teaming up with Icona Pop for I Love It, and you heard it right here on FBI Radio 94.5. My name is Mia Hull. I am joined by Courtney Ammenhauser, the former host of Up For It. But as we're learning throughout the show, Courtney's life exists quite far outside of Up For It. She's done heaps of stuff and lived in a bunch of different places. We've just been to Brisbane. We are now taking things over to Sydney. Courtney, what brought you here? Well, yeah, Mia, as I was saying, I just kind of wanted to spread my wings after I'd finished my course at um, QUT. And I was applying for jobs in Brisbane and Sydney, and I ended up getting one in Sydney first. And I did really want to move. And then when I got that job, I was like... I think you should just take it and see what happens. And it was a pretty hard decision because I was also, I'd been cast in a play in Brisbane that was happening at the same time. And initially the job was just kind of casual, but full-time contract. It was working for this um, music education company as like a programming assistant. Um, And they would go into schools and like teach piano and guitar. And I basically was working in the office to help run the program and so I was like I'm gonna take the job see what happens and then if it doesn't work out I'll be back in time to do that play or if it does you know if Sydney feels right I can you know see what the possibilities are there and then I ended up getting a full-time job at that place and I just was kind of in a position where like I had no money And I couldn't really say no to having a full-time job. I was like, I really need cash to survive. Like, I was like, I'm going to take this job and see what happens. I had to contact the people I was doing the play with. And I felt very bad about that because I'd committed to it. And um, yeah, I hate letting people down. But, you know, that's just kind of how it is when you need to have a job. So I was there for about three, three months and then a role came up at NIDA and I applied for that role um, and I got it. And so I moved across to NIDA within a few months and I was, once I got there, I really started to feel like I was meeting my people, like meeting people who are interested in theatre and the arts and who were creating stuff. And yeah, that was a really good time. Obviously, you let go of the dream of doing the play that you were going to do in Queensland, but you did find other creative outlets in Sydney, Courtney. Tell me about those. Yeah, so I'd kind of, when I'd moved, I'd started writing little bits and pieces down, like in my notes on my phone, and like I would go to restaurants and kind of like write down little things that I'd overhear in conversations. And like I was doing this all by myself because I didn't have any friends so like I just kind of (laughs) occupied my time by doing that and then after a while and like you know as I said and made those friends at NIDA I made a friend Lakia who I worked with and she was also from Queensland and had a background in production in theatre production specifically so I said to Lakia hey would you be interested in helping out on this idea I have to do a show for Sydney Fringe Festival. And she said yes. And I was very grateful for that because I really felt like I needed somebody to kind of uh, keep me on track, essentially. And Lakia I always saw as like a bit of a big sister because she was uh, a little bit older than me um, and 
we would we had a very close relationship and we worked together and yeah not having any family here I, I always felt like she was someone that I was able to turn to and she was she's been incredible to me always and so we um, embarked on this little project to put on a, a play at Sydney Fringe Festival in 2015 called Quarter Life Crisis, um, which I wrote and performed and she um, produced and directed. And it was really fun and really scary, but I was really proud of myself for, for getting back into like the theatre world again and to try and kind of make my mark. And like when I think about the show now, it's like, kind of cringe but you know that's all part of it I think I I didn't want to be too afraid of it being perfect I was like well you can either like create a show and then it not be perfect but you get closer to the thing that you want to make or you can just do nothing and then that's worse to me so (laughs) I was like I'll just try yeah well I mean I mean that's with anything too that's even with radio like you've got to just get on air and do a bunch of shit shows and then hopefully (laughs) get better at it but the quarter life crisis show wasn't the only one you made as part of this acting group you've done way more than that Courtney (laughs) walk me through the shows that you've performed and where you performed them Yeah, so um, that was the first one. And then the following year, kind of at the end of that year, I I went on, I went traveling for a little while in Europe. Um, I didn't, it was like, there were highs and lows. But when I came back, um, something I really noticed while I was traveling was that there were so many people who had been running away from something while they were traveling. And so I kind of was at dinner with a bunch of my colleagues at NIDA when I'd got back. I was like, oh, we should go out, catch up, etc." And I kind of made this joke of being like, I'm thinking about writing another show called Europe Won't Fix You. And they chuckled at it. And I was like, OK, if that if they think it's like interesting or relatable, maybe there's something in this. So then I pitched it to some friends who are also writers, performers, creators, and they were all keen. Um, and we came together and created the show Europe Won't Fix You, which was, uh, we, we dubbed it the travel tale that you won't find on Instagram or an anti-finding yourself story. And then after Europe Won't Fix You, we kind of toured it around to Melbourne and Brisbane um, and Sydney and Adelaide. Then the following year in 2017, we developed a new show called Naughty Girls, uh, as in the 2000s naughty. Um, <laughs> And that was a, a sketch comedy show that I did with Hannah Fulton and Kimberly Greaves. And that was the very early days of the show. And it was very much like a scratch work of it. And then the next year we polished it up and toured it to Perth and Adelaide and Sydney Comedy Festival. And then we did it again the next year in <laughs> Melbourne at Melbourne Comedy Festival, um, at Sydney Comedy Festival. And we also did it at Woodford Folk Festival as well, which was really fun. Yeah. And then this year we did Hot Mess. That was the latest one. We also did it the year before. But timelines, you know. But I I don't know, the picture that you're painting, Courtney, it's of a person making leaps and bounds in their performance career. It's a person who was working at NIDA and then made a comedy collective and toured it around the country. How did you end up 
in radio and why FBI? Radio was always something that I wanted to do. Like, I remember having a bit of a breakdown in first year uni being like, I think I want to swap to journalism and then ended up doing this end of year production, which sucked me in and I stayed. And I had a great time doing that course. Um, But I, it was always still there, writing and doing journalism. And I've always been pretty obsessed with true stories. And a lot of our comedy work is semi-autobiographical or it takes a lot of inspiration from our own lives. Um, And yeah, I think writing, media, radio is not too far a step away. It's all storytelling. It's just in different forms. So I was kind of keeping an eye out on FBI it's such a, a rare opportunity to like be able to volunteer as well. Like I was working some casual jobs so that it was flexible. I wasn't in a full-time role anymore. So I was like, now's the time. And so, yeah, I, I just applied and was lucky enough to get through. Um, and it was really exciting to be able to, you know, fulfill that, like really a dream because I remember being a kid and like, recording my voice with my friends like as little kids being like hey you're listening to blah 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 like on a tape recorder like while we're on you know half time at soccer <laughs> and like we're doing our own little radio shows and so yeah I, I was just like jumped at the opportunity to do it what's the next song you wanted to play on out of the box today well I wanted to play a song that featured in one of our shows um it was in um Europe Won't Fix You And it was a scene that we did that was all about um, the experience of a night out in Berlin. I don't know if you've been to Berlin, Mia. Um, (laughs) But we'd all had our own separate experiences and um, we just did this really silly dance and it was really fun. And this song just instantly makes me think of the group of people that worked on that show. Um, It's Are You a Cop? by the meeting tree. That song was by The Meeting Tree. It was called Are You A Cop? And it was chosen by Courtney Ammenhauser on FBI Radio 94.5. Courtney is joining me for Out of the Box. We kicked off this episode talking about... We've done it backwards. We kicked off the episode talking about Courtney's exit from FBI, which sadly happened about two weeks ago. And, you know, just now we spoke about her entry. Let's just move FBI all the way to the side Courtney I want to talk about what your life looks like now well it looks the same except without early mornings because the thing about doing up for it is like everyone at FBI you do a whole bunch of other things outside of the radio because we're all technically volunteers so you know we've got to have other stuff going on to um you know, make things feasible in life. So I've been working at Concrete Playground for most of this year while presenting and I've just moved into a full-time job there. 
um, as a writer. Congratulations. Thank you. So writer and content producer, which has been really fun. Um, and I'm excited to shift the love for Sydney's music, arts, culture, all of that, our food into the written format um, on the Concrete Playground website and also into other forms in the future. You know, we're pretty interested in doing all kinds of content. So, yeah, looking forward to where the role can take me there as well. When you look to the future, Courtney, are you just looking in this role or do you have more drama stuff coming up? Is there any radio on the horizon for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to continue uh, working in radio or audio. And um, that's definitely something that I'll continue to be pursuing. Um, And again, I still want to perform with my gals in our little (laughs) silly little comedy group. Because, um, you know, I tried doing stuff like solo comedy stuff and I just really love working in a group and I love sharing that experience. Like when things are going really well and you're so elated, you have, it's just, there's, there's nothing like it to be there with your best friends and just when you've had a real win, it's the best feeling. And then similarly, when things are really bad, like we've had some really bad, horrible things happen too to also be like in the trenches with someone so yeah I'm keen to do more stuff with them as well we've got um a a gig happening as part of the summer camp festival that's happening um at Centennial Park in February so we're gonna be there if you're going to are tickets still on sale for that one I believe they are so you know keep an eye out <laughs> for some pretty sassy camp counselors <laughs> cruising yeah, around I'll put the link to that one up on the programs page on fbiradio.com so if anyone did want to find it I'll also put links up to the general public socials so we can keep track of Courtney and the group and what you guys are up to <laughs> but yeah pretty keen to like I feel like now. I've kind of got a bit of experience in all the in all the fields that I wanted to work in like when I was younger and you know up until this point you know I've got I've got radio experience I've got writing experience uh, I've got theater experience um banana farming banana farming exactly so you know that farming will definitely be in the future Mia Hull when I'm I I see it for my like late 50s <laughs> um but yeah I'm really keen to try and continue to mold this lumpy sculpture of a career that kind of includes all of the things that I want to do and yeah that does have more performing more radio more writing on the horizon I hope yeah it's it's like we've spent the last hour talking about the perfect storm it's all of Courtney Ammonhauser's favorite things in a cyclone in a big tropical north Queensland cyclone, cyclone. Courtney, here she comes um Courtney is there anything you'd like to say before you go I think like the last show was so amazing like getting all of the messages from all of the listeners um and I think you know FBI is nothing without its listenership so like to anyone who listened to the show thank you because even though physically I was alone it made me feel like I wasn't and that was something I feel like a lot of us needed last year and the year before but also to extend that love to the rest of the FBI fam if you love the station 
send them some love in any way that you can, whether it's, you know, liking something on Instagram or, you know, heating up the text line. Presenters are freaks for the text line. Like (laughs) it really, if you send a really nice message, it can really boost morale in the studio. Or if you can become a financial supporter as well, you know, that's always there too. But this isn't like a call to action to be like, this isn't a, a branded content piece. <laughs> but like there's so many ways to get around it. Like, yeah. And tell your friends if they're like, ah, oh, I can't find any good music. Let them know where you find good music or where you find interesting content because, you know, People don't know what they don't know, so why not spread the word? Yeah. Oh, Courtney, I've done my fair share of gushing over the past two weeks, so I'm <laughs> going to try and not do it too much. But, no, I, lo- I love what you said about despite being alone, having all of the listeners there, because I think that that's the role that you've played for all of your listeners over the past two years, especially throughout isolation. And I remember being, like, really drunk with you once and being like, Courtney, you make radio so accessible, you know? You make it for everyone. You're so inclusive in the way... And I do believe that. I think you make radio that everyone feels like they're a part of and it's really beautiful and, you know, it's going to be really weird not having you on FBI anymore. (laughs) Let's end with... A powerful song from Sydney. What have you picked? I've picked the song that I finished my last show with because, first of all, it's by a bunch of Sydney icons and it's a song that I loved when I was a kid. Like, I remember seeing the video clip on Rage and stuff when I was small and just thinking it was so good. And it's re-entered my mind earlier in the year or maybe last year and I was like wow that song still goes so hard I still love it a lot and then after I'd gotten back on this like huge fangirl moment for it it's its 20th birthday it gets flipped and mashed up and twisted and spun around uh like a beautiful piece of pizza dough and there's six new versions of it that have been remixed by other incredible artists so Uh, The song I want to finish out of the box on is Just The Thing by Paul Mack, the Jerome Blase and Stereogamous remix. And we'll jump into that song right now on Out of the Box. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you did want to listen back, there are a couple of ways you can do it. You can stream the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or head to the programs page on fbiradio.com where you'll get the full experience, songs uncut. And of course, on the programs page, you can find links to all of the things we've spoken about, including tickets to Courtney's upcoming show at Sydney Festival. Stick around, lunch is right around the corner.